The following program was made possible by Ward's Lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. Not quite sure what to expect here. It's not like real bowling, but it still has bowling in the title, so let's see. Hi, Reese. How are you? Sorry I'm late. Oh, you're right on time. Oh, no, not <laughs> Move over hard news and pressing issues of the day, well, just for a bit, as episode 55 introduces me and Nancy Payne to a special kind of outdoorsy bowling, courtesy of Reese Warren of the Lindsay Lawn Bowling Club. The library's Lindsay Heffernan drops in to tell us about a new non-book lending program and to bring us a new well-defined word. House prices in many markets are actually cooling and even dropping. How might that affect the whole deposit thing? Calvin Chan of Ward's Lawyers enlightens us with the real strength of that deposit, or lack thereof strength. Something not dropping in Kawartha Lakes is job vacancies. We'll talk to Brenda Roxborough of VCCS about a job market like we've never seen before, and why it is what it is. This is the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, a show that's hosted by me, Denny Grignot, when I'm not on the job, or in the field, or rather on the rink, a green, grassy rink to be exact. So come on into the clubhouse. Okay, and then we'll do, a, yeah, like I thought maybe you could do, give me and Nancy a demonstration. Yeah. These are our club bowls that uh, people can rent either on a daily basis uh, or for the season. I want to make sure here I got this right. You, you call them club bowls? Bowls. They're not, so not balls? They're not balls. They're bowls. And why they're bowls, I really don't know, but it's probably because they're not balls. So uh, there's lots of different uh, sizes uh, and weights. Um, and the, obviously the ones at the top that are nice and colored, they're our newest ones. Uh, we also have uh, kids' bowls, which are about maybe two-thirds the size. Of That's a, the size uh, of a softball a base, uh, for, for, soft, for playing softball. Yeah, almost. yeah. And so when we have our youth uh, program, and we, we have had uh, Parkview students come over for a number of years uh, to get them involved uh, with some different activities, those are the bowls that we use for the students. So you're not going to start me on something like that, are you, given my, my neophyteness of this? No, based on the size of your hands, we're probably going to go for about a size three or maybe even a size four. And uh, some of the really competitive bowlers have multiple sets of bowls and they'll, depending on the green and how it's running, uh, depending on perhaps maybe who they're playing, will use different sets of bowls because I know this person uh, likes to bowl straight, so I want to be a bowl, have bowls that run straighter. It's like golf almost, the little that I know about golf, about using different clubs depending on the shot. Yeah, but the thing is you can't change mid-game. Mid it's interesting you mentioned the size of my hands. Is that something, you know, lawn ballers or lawn, can lawn, I say lawn bowling or lawn ballers? Lawn bowlers. Is that something lawn bowlers notice immediately, the, the size of a person's hands? Uh, not necessarily, but you do notice the size of their bowls. There are, there are triple zeros, which are very small and light, compared to uh, a five or a six. Uh, and I think I've even seen a size seven. And that would be almost like a bowling ball going against a softball. Can you give me a comparison so I can hold one versus the other? Okay. Like a, a light one versus a not so, light one? So that's a, a triple zero. A triple zero, okay. You wanna lift that, Nance? Feel like that? Okay. That's kind of what I was expecting for weight. And, and that's a four. 
unlike bowling balls, there are dimples on this. Yes, and that's for grip. And the bowl has a sort of a flatter side, which always has the larger circle. Okay. The smaller uh, circle has a bit of a, it bowls out a little bit. So it's, it's, that's the weighted side. So when you deliver your bowl, if you just bowled straight down the middle, right. it would always bend one way or the other. Bias on the inside, and I bowl straight, as a, as a right-handed bowler, the bowl will go to the right. If I switch it so that it's pointing to the left, it right. will go to the left. I'm really taken by how they're nice objects. Like, they, they actually look really nice, too. It's, and, and they look like they're historic, like they've looked like this probably forever. Actually, we do have some bowls in the clubhouse that are, are much older. And you can obviously tell that these are older bowls just by the color browns oh, okay. and blacks whereas the newer ones are much more colorful this feels more conservative almost oh, and yes. this is for, for the kids the, Ex exactly the, the gen xers and, and millennials who like that color oh for sure but some of some of the uh some new newer bowlers who are purchasing their bowls uh even even older people will go out and buy some of the nice multicolor because it's just more fun I have to ask, Reese, because there is, uh, as in most sports, there are the purists and the traditionalists. I, I think it's becoming less and less so because historically uh, you saw bowlers in white. I remember going to LCVI and Central Senior walking past a lawn bowling club and all they were were, in my mind, old people wearing white. And it's sort of like tennis. Tennis used to be all white and now it's becoming much more accepted to express yourself and so uh, when when we travel to tournaments all the uh, team members have to have the same colors of uh, like tops and bottoms and you'll f uh, see people with uh, Hawaiian shirts matching uh, just lots of fun stuff because it's not as maybe stuffy as it used to be the bottom line is the more people that come out and have fun the better it is for everybody okay well sizing myself and Nancy up she as you know picked up her her hat at a rummage sale, but she has, you have deemed it what, the, the official lawn? Oh, this is my lawn bowling, my $1 lawn bowling hat, for okay. sure. So if, you, if you're being completely honest, uh, given you know my, my plaid shirt that I probably picked up at a rummage sale, are, are we dressed appropriately for non-tournament play right now? Oh, definitely, definitely. The only thing that we would require is a flat uh, shoe with no heel. They're like any sport, like any game, there is sort of a, a, a demeanor, a psychological profile that probably fits a real lawn bowler and and i i know we we've played hockey together way back in the yep. day and yep. we've known each other casually what is it about my personality and my character and maybe that of nancy's that had you say i think they'd uh, I, I think they'd they'd fit into this game and i want you to be completely candid well you're kind of quirky and i th i think the club could always use uh, a little bit more character and uh, you're, you're young, uh, and we're just trying to get more people. And, 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 and just, uh, I, I've known you guys for years, and, and you're great people, and, and uh, it would just be fun to see you out here enjoying something different. Reese, you had me at, you're young. All right, let's give this a shot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll head back to the rink. Yes, it's called a rink at the Lindsay Lawn Bowling Club with expert bowler and a really good teacher, Reese Warren, later in the program, which is called The Advocate Podcast and part of The Advocate Magazine and The Advocate Online, totally independent media. 
In our May issue, you can read all about local singles and how they negotiate the local dating scene in a feature article by Denise Waldron. Pick up your copy across Kawartha Lakes, including Mikhail's Cafe in Omimi and the Valencia General Store. In recent episodes of the Advocate Podcast, we've been exploring, with some help from the lawyers at Ward's Lawyers, issues surrounding real estate, and for good reason. Has there ever been a time when purchasing a home has been this contentious, this fraught with challenges, this competitive, this expensive? That last one especially can be one reason deals fall through, and the implications can be much more than the potential buyer simply losing their deposit. Hey, you want to know more? Well, that's why we've got some words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. More than just words of wisdom. It's words. Calvin Chan is a lawyer who specializes in disputes, real estate and otherwise. I'm here with him in the offices of Ward's Lawyers and Lindsay. Hey, Calvin, thanks for helping us out here with this topic of when real estate deals go south, I guess, as you described it. Thanks. Uh, thanks for helping us out with this. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here with you. Hey, when I bought my first house way back in the 1930s, I had a few standard conditions that had to be met. There was nothing um, nothing out of the ordinary, I, I don't think, to, in, in order for the deal to close. Uh, I needed the approval from the bank appraiser and a home inspection. And if those weren't met, I could back out of the deal. How much has that changed today, well, if at all? Well, first of all, great thing that you bought your house during the Great Depression. That, was, <laughs> that must have been a great price. It was the Dust Bowl. What can I say? I scored a good deal. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so right now, things are greatly influenced by the fact that it's a seller's market. So as you're saying, you as a buyer, and maybe previously, and maybe someone who's gone through several home purchases has have been able to put conditions on your offer to purchase a home. And that that is what it is when you put together an agreement of purchase and sale with a real estate agent, then you're you're putting an offer in. And I'm sure anybody who's gone through a home purchase knows this. They mm-hmm. want to make it as, as palatable as possible. And nowadays, they're almost only accepting, you know, those these non-condition offers. No conditions, no conditions on financing, no conditions sometimes on home inspections. Frankly, that's just the, the market that we live in right now with uh, the supply and demand the way that it is. People often have a an idea in their head, maybe a myth, and I would call this uh, a myth-busting segment to our podcast, that all you have to do is pay the deposit on your your offer if you choose to renege on it. And that is not the case. That's a myth based on maybe on-the-ground practices, but I can tell you what actually possible. So let's back up. You're saying that generally the myth was that I want to buy this house. Here's my whatever, $20,000, $15,000 deposit. Worst that can happen is uh, I lose that money. Somebody puts an offer on the house, the offer is accepted, and then the the buyer puts ten grand into uh, deposit into a trust account, either with the real estate agent or a lawyer or somewhere somewhere where that deposit is safe. That sort of uh, seals the contract. It seals the fact that the offer has been accepted. Um, now, later down the, no- the line, when the parties move to close, something happens. Can you, give an exa- can you give an example of what that something might be, well, what you've this, seen? In this case, maybe the buyer has said that, I, I don't want to close this deal. Uh, buyer's remorse and I've paid too much for this property. And I think that's, that's, that's a situation that's getting more and more prevalent, especially with the, the volatility in this market. You know, the prices are 
swinging huge, huge margins. It's not unreasonable in, in some instances. You've got some folks who've put an offer down on the house for half a million dollars, let's say, and then the next month it's going for 400000 uh, Interest rates have been going up. That has been affecting the, the buy prices on some of these properties, and people might be getting cold feet. But the myth that should not stick in people's head that I'm trying to bust is, you know, if you get cold feet and you pull out of the deal, out of the deal, they think that all they have to all they have to lose is the deposit, and that's not the case. The person, the innocent party, who in this case would be the the, the homeowner who wanted to sell their house, now has has had their contract terminated, and they need to sell the house again. So, in many instances in in the past, I would say five years. That seller puts the house back on the market and they get the same price or an even better price. And in that case, then really the, all the defaulting purchaser stands to lose is their deposit. They still will lose that, but everybody's happy because the seller ended up with a better purchase price from this third party, right. hypothetically. Plus the deposit. Plus their deposit. The problem is when that doesn't happen. And we're seeing that now. I mean, if you're reading the papers, we can see that, that and I, I'm stunned when I see this, that prices are actually coming down. Yep, there are no guarantees, as any lawyer will tell you, and any, any real estate uh, agent will probably be telling you that now too. Nowadays especially, there's no guarantee that they're gonna get a better price or a similar price than the contract they had signed with this, this buyer who backed out. If they sell at a lower price, not only is the buyer who backed out liable for the deposit, they're liable for the difference in purchase price that the, the homeowner, that selling homeowner, eventually sold the house for. Quick example, you, we agree, Denis and Calvin, we both agree right now that we're going to enter into agreement of purchase and sale and I'm going to sell you a house for a million bucks. Unfortunately, you, for some whatever reason, can't retain the financing or you just decide that it's it's not a good deal and you have buyer's remorse. Or I got, to I, back out of it. I got cold feet and I yeah, had some sober got, thought and realized uh, I don't want uh, this house. Okay. Unfortunately. And, and you notify me that that's not going to happen. So I've got a duty to put the house back on the market to try to mitigate some of my losses. I've got a loss right now because I had a contract, but now, but now I don't. Um, I sell the house for 900000 that's a loss for me of $100,000. That means I keep the deposit, so that's $10,000, but I'm still short $90,000, meaning I'm, I can take you to court for $90,000. Nobody wants, nobody wants to receive those papers. So is this laid out, Calvin? I'm just wondering, if for, for that buyer and for the seller, when they're laying out their contract and, and the list of conditions, is this often laid out or does it come out after the fact uh, where somebody has to sue somebody? That's laid out in the court case law. So those are court cases that outline all of those principles. But effectively, in the uh, hypothetical that I just, just described, that is how the situation would play out. You're liable for the difference. If you walk away from, from a deal, you're not just liable for the deposit, you're liable for the difference that that homeowner suffered. That's what it means to enter a contract. But for some reason, I think with the whole real estate frenzy, they've gotten themselves very excited. But that also is turning into cold feet now um, with some of these offers and walking away from offers, et cetera. And if people are thinking that it's just a certainty that I owe the deposit, unfortunately, that's not the case. That's my word of caution. That's my buyer beware.
even getting a letter from a lawyer saying you owe $90,000 plus costs, plus tax, property tax, plus repair costs, plus maintenance costs, that's enough stress to, to be cautious when you're making these really important decisions. Calvin Chan specializes in disputes. You can contact Calvin and any of the lawyers at Ward's Lawyers at wardlegal.ca. Kawartha Lakes Public Library is making it much easier this summer to take in some of our local attractions, proving once again that what they do goes well beyond just suggesting and loaning books. Lindsay Heffernan is with Outreach and Community Engagement at the KLPL. She joins me on the line now. Hey, Lindsay. Hi, Denny. How are you? I'm well. And yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you. Okay. No doubt listeners right now, uh, they're just kind of at the end of their seat going, okay, isn't this when Lindsay Heffernan normally provides us with a new well-defined word? And, And we will get to that, dear listeners. But Lindsay, first, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about this new, unique lending program that the library has. Absolutely. We are very excited to have something new called Community Passes. So these are passes that library holders can check out, just like you would a book. Um, Right now, we have two amazing community partners. So we've got passes for Kawartha Settlers Village, as well as Ken Reed Conservation Area. And we hope to add more soon. And like you mentioned, the idea is that we've got so many great attractions right here in the city of Kawartha Lakes. And we hope that these passes encourage people to to check out these local attractions. Well, I've been to both of those areas. Kawartha Settlers Village is such a gem. And I know it it really does seem, um, and this is not unique to any particular community. I think most communities often don't visit what's in their backyard. So yeah, get out to the Kawartha Settlers Village. That is such a great, that's a gem. Okay, so how many passes do you actually have that you can lend out if people are to book these in advance? Uh, So right now we've got four passes available for Kawartha Settlers Village and then two passes that are available for Ken Reed and that gets you parking access. Now, is is each pass good for only one person or a car load or how does that work? Yeah, so the Ken Reed Pass is um, available for one whole car load. And then Kawartha Settlers Village is available for, it's a family pass, so up to two adults and four children. Okay, great. Well, there we go. If you, I can't do the math on that, but clearly those passes represent more users than, than just the one. Absolutely. Okay, so would it be safe then to assume that this new program that the library has figures into this popular segment on our show, which we call... Well-defined. 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 What does that mean, anyway? Well-defined. According to the dictionary... You have an excellent guess. Uh, yes, it does. So... I believe, and we believe on behalf of the library, that if you check out our community passes, your days will be anything but tenebrous. Okay, tenebrous? Tenebrous. T-E-N-E-B-R-O-U-S. Tenebrous. That sounds like a great question for for a Jeopardy entry. So (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm stunned. I, I don't know what that is. You'll have to you'll have to well define that one for me. All right. Well, Tenebris means dark and gloomy. So we think that our community passes will make your days bright and sunny and lovely and definitely not dark and gloomy. Well, there you go. And with great weather on the horizon, I think that is extremely uh, fitting. We hope so. Thanks so much, Lindsay. Thanks, as always, Denis. 
You're listening to the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, Episode 55, all 55 of which have been brought to you by Ward's Lawyers, our official sponsor. For all your legal needs, Chris Award and the team at Ward's, well, they can meet those needs. Find out what they can do for you at wardlegal.ca. Throughout the show, we're introducing you to lawn bowling via my personal experience. The Lindsay Lawn Bowling Club is on a mission to recruit and alter some of the game's misconceptions. I spoke with club president John Harper on the rinks on Elgin Street in Lindsay. 75 to 80 percent of our club are social recreational bowlers. You can go into tournaments and you can go to the nationals uh, if you want and we do provide that. We don't provide a lot of that within the club as far as club play goes but we provide the facility for them to practice that and a tournament player just has to l- learn how to change their mindset. Can they all do that though? No. No, no, and nobody does. I mean, you have the same problem in anything in life. I'm, I'm a tournament player. Like, I play probably 15 to 20 tournaments a year. Uh, I'm not good. <laughs> but, I go again, I go to tournaments for the, for the fun of it, for the socialization. But I do like to get better. And I like to, uh, you know, play my best game. But when I come here to the club, I just switch, switch the switch. How difficult is it to make that switch from, from it's focus? not for me because my background's recreation but see when I come here I just look at it as okay so I don't know what kind of shots they're going to do what they're going to leave me or whatever but I use it as practice I'll try shots that I know I got to do in a tournament but that's not a place to try and do it so I just do it here and, you, and it's true a lot of people can't do that they get frustrated or whatever okay here's my hard my hard bowl question as opposed to my hard ball question and I know from having played rec league hockey, every couple of years there's that one guy that just doesn't fit in, and the guy who runs the game has to pull them aside and say, this isn't working out. Have you, as president, ever had to pull somebody aside and go, look, you're either going to have to change how you, what your demeanor is like or you'll leave? Has it ever gotten yeah. to that point? I wouldn't say it's got to the point where you have to change or you've got to leave. I mean, it's, it's, been, point, it's been pointed out, you know. It's fine to point something out, but just let it go for a while, right? Because everybody doesn't want to be the best bowler. Some people here, oh, it's my turn. They get up and bowl because they're really here to sit in the bench and talk to somebody type of thing. And you have to, you have to adjust your program for that. Like we have bigger membership than Peterborough. And one of the reasons is that is we switched to the not so competitive because uh, that's where our, you got to go where your consumer is. And the consumer is the recreational bowler. My wife didn't even want to bowl. How she got into bowling is when we started the Saturday morning league and then whoever wants to afterwards, we go to one of our sponsors like the Pie-Eyed Monk or One-Eyed Jack is a new sponsor this year. And she said, well, I'll come to lunch. I said, you can't go to lunch unless you bowl. So she started bowling. Well, now she's my partner in the tournaments. Okay, if you were looking at at increasing this membership by two, as in myself and, and my wife, Nancy, how would you pitch me in a sentence or two to say, this is what you should be doing. It's an easy game to learn and a hard game to master. And as I say, it's a game that can fit into whatever level you want to, to attain. John Harper is the president of the Lindsay Lawn Bowling Club. Towards the end of the program, Nancy Payne and I give it a go with instruction from bowler extraordinaire, Reese Warren. You're listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. Amidst all of the economic challenges of these past few years, and there have been many, well, there's an ironic twist 
at least that's the way it seems to people not in the know, we're talking about many industries and employers scrambling to fill positions and competing like no time in recent history anyway for the labor force. And it's not just the adult workforce we're talking about here. Even the city of Corth Lakes is still advertising aggressively to fill 50 student positions for the summer. To get a better understanding of the present and possible future of all of this, I am at the offices of VCCS, an employment services agency and resource center in Kawartha Lakes. Brenda Roxborough is the executive director. Brenda, thanks so much for helping us to better understand what's going on here. Thanks for thanks for coming in, Denise. That's one. It's wonderful to be able to talk about what's happening. What can you tell us about job vacancies here in in Kawartha Lakes? What you're dealing with? An unprecedented high. Seeing ads in on on the street on on billboards for a variety of positions, everywhere from frontline customer service, healthcare, and everything in between. I've worked in, in Kawartha Lakes for 25 years, and I've never seen it this prevalent. The funny thing is that it was actually pre-pandemic. We were having this conversation. We've probably been having it for, you know, five or six years now, In it's not nearly as intense, wasn't as intense then as it is now. But we were hearing from employers they couldn't find staff. And we've been a part of a variety of different provincial funding initiatives and projects to help address what, what they felt were those needs. Part, one of those was a research project. And what we learned was, wasn't the technical skills employers couldn't find with staff. It was actually, when you, when you talk to them, they needed what we refer to as employability skills or soft skills. And it's the, the things like the ability to show up on time, the ability to commit to work, the ability to... Um, be flexible, follow directions, which again seems sort of, you know, common sense, if you will. But that's what that's what they were really struggling with. So fast forward to, you know, 2019, and we're just we're starting to see an increase in in all the sectors, still coming down to you know employability skills. But now we're looking for multiple positions, and then the pandemic put everything on its head. What we're noticing is that we still have individuals who are very nervous about working very nervous about being in in the public with people. I mean, despite fairly consistent masking policies and other safety health and safety measures, still a resistance to commit to that. Some of the work that goes unfilled right now is what is in an industry that tends to be it on a negative side, we'll call it precarious, but the the hours tend to be a little bit more sporadic or shorter shifts or in it a little hard to schedule around and so what families did learn and you know particularly families with young children or single single parent families it's a really difficult scenario to be in when you you're trying to arrange childcare and childcare is really difficult to come by or to stay in because then there's covid um, protocols around that so your kid gets a sniffles and now you're out of you know you have to stay home and that puts work into into a bit of a a, a you know, a frenzy as well. And so at some point, there are folks who just went, I can't, you know, until this settles down, I can't do this. The pandemic restrictions drastically affected us, the, the economy being able to bring in internationally trained workers, which is an important component of our whole economy. And it made it far more challenging to fill some of those positions that might have been filled extra might have been filled with international candidates because that's what the um, that's how they're traditionally filled but they had to go unfilled for such a long period of time where it was very difficult to get somebody you know from in from overseas 
I think that there's a lot of what we would call a gig economy, looking for some you know, small business ventures or some things they can do on the side. And, and while I know our partners over at Human Services, Kortha Lakes, have seen an uptick in applications for social assistance, we're very connected in our programming, and, and we haven't seen that, that flow through to us right away. So there are, there are a number of other things that end up needing to be addressed in advance, but they're not seeing rates that are higher than usual. And we are not seeing rates of, of, of social assistance recipients or EI recipients that are higher than what would normally be. And we've also, we've also seen a lot of people go back to school as well. They took the opportunity when, when we were in the height of COVID to, to say, you know what, I'm, I, I'm done with this, this kind of work, or I, I need to make a change, and this is as good a time as any. We've been a part of a couple of training programs that were specific to sectors and getting technical skills. So right from DZ licensing to working in the agriculture sector, construction, manufacturing sector. So they, people have also taken advantage of those opportunities as well. So we're just really seeing a shift quite possibly. People are still, quote unquote, working just in a different area. So. But I'm curious, how does that affect your your role here at BCCS and your colleagues when you're looking to, 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 fill, those, to fill those holes for employers? It's a real challenge. Our, our intake, our, our client activity is a little lower than we might have seen, say, in 2018, 2019. But it's much higher than it was in 2020, for sure. What we're seeing, though, is that, and this is very typical when the economy is good, when the labor market's good, those who can find work easily generally do. And it also means that those that might, in other circumstances, reconsider going to work, maybe because they have some other, maybe there's some physical challenges or some health challenges, and so they maybe don't consider employment right away. But when you hear and see all of these good news stories about, wow, there's so much work, there's all these opportunities, they think, well, I can, now is a good time for me too, which is an awful lot of the individuals that we support. But I think it's a bit of a perfect storm where you have employers with, you know, a lot of demand for whatever product or service or good that they're, that they're producing. So their needs from a production or service standpoint haven't changed. But bringing somebody who might need just a little extra time or training to be up to speed, it's a little bit more difficult because that lost production time is lost money and it puts them further behind sometimes. So that is where we come in to help help with that. But, you know, sometimes those accommodations, you know, an employer might say, I just really want somebody who's happy to show up. But those standards, their entry level or their performance standards remain exactly the same. So it's it's, it's a delicate balance. So you have know? you seen employers up their game or, or change their their recruitment process? Oh, yeah. I've, we've seen hiring bonuses. I have never seen a hiring bonus right from like fast food, like upwards of $500 just for taking the job. I've seen businesses offer, advertise that they're offering benefits to employees. It's all of the things that we know are valuable as employers and employees for industries that have never had to compete as much as they do now. They are, they're putting it out on the table. It is actually really bizarre because, you know, we spend a lot of time year like for years teaching people to you know how to access that hidden job market because things weren't advertised and so we spend a lot of time teaching them to tell their story and to highlight their skills and abilities and explain to employers what they bring to the table so we still do that it just strengthens their position and i really think that as our field of employment counseling and career development evolves this is the some of the things that we need to consider 
that that are different than what we had before. The old systems aren't aren't working. The old game book isn't exactly what we need anymore. My name's Brenda Roxburgh. I'm the Executive Director with BCCS Employment Services. And you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. In terms of holding the bowl, again, we always want to make sure we know where the bias is, so the small circle. Okay. And the bias is where the ball will turn into. Correct. Okay. Yes. And what I've done is at the far end, you can see the white uh, ball that's called the jack, and that's our target. It's sort of like the button in curling. And what we're trying to do is get our bowls as close to the jack as possible. Without touching it or can it touch you, it? You can touch it, uh, and if it does, it's called a toucher. Uh, and there's there's lots of sort of uh, implications if it does touch it, but for the for now, it's whoever's bo- whoever bowls uh, closest to the jack gets points. Same system as curling. Exactly, right? okay. exactly. The only the, the biggest difference is the jack can move. How does the jack move? Oh, if a ball hits it. Exactly. Okay. So you could be all set up beautifully scoring lots of points and then your opponent comes and moves the jack to a place that's closer to them. So it can change. You could be in, in a game of uh, trebles when your bowl... Uh, you Sorry, back that up. A game of trebles? Trebles. Okay, that sounds like something from Star Trek. So walk me through this. Teams of three. One of the challenges is releasing the bowl too high and it'll take a divot out of the green. So what we want to do is we want to get as low as possible, almost like you're bowling in a bowling alley. You you don't want to have it clunk, clunk, clunk down the the alley. Here you want to release nice and low. My target is the uh, white jack. I've got the bias on the top, or right now it's going to be on the right side. So in order for me to have it curve in to the right, I have to aim to the left of the jack. So all I'm going to do is start with my feet together. I'm going to step out. and try to release as low to the ground as possible, and then you'll just see what happens with the bowl. Can you walk up, or are you just gonna throw straight? You have to start from a standing position. Uh-huh, and, and then walk into it? you can take one step. One step. As long as, you, you don't have to step if you don't want to, but as long as when you release the bowl, your foot is above the, ja- uh, above the mat. So I'm just gonna squat down, uh-huh. and now, if you're being completely critical of your own shot, how good a shot is that? Because I'm looking and you're probably... Oh, that's horrible. Is that... <laughs> that's horrible. That's got to be about... Uh... Don't mince words here. I want the real story here, Reese. I, I'm saying that's 16 to 20 feet short. But in fairness, I wasn't really concentrating on the shot. I was more talking to you. Right. Okay. Sure, Reese. We'll go with that. Okay, Nancy, you want to give this a shot? Okay. Literally? Stop! Stop. Okay. Now, she's landed on the other green. That's, that's okay, Reese. That's still in our, our green. Okay. If, you, if you see the orange uh, marker right about two feet off the, the wood and then one over here, that designates green eight. Your bowl could travel through green seven as long as it comes back and finishes on your green. Does that happen like a boomerang? Oh, oh yes. Oh yes. Really? I'm very especially, worried about wrecking the next game. <laughs> especially if the, if the jack gets shifted to the side of the, the green, then you have to aim for it. You're going to start, if you're left-handed, yeah. you're going to start with your feet together. You're going to step forward with your right foot and release. That oh, will right. Keep, that okay. will keep you more balanced. You're right. Okay, let's try that. Here we go. I think I'm going to hit yours. Nope. That's too hard, isn't it, Reese? 
Uh, in the gutter? Is that what that is? In the ditch. In the ditch. In the ditch. Uh, so yes, a little hard. That would be taken out and not in play. Can I try another one? Sure can. I'm going to try another one because I think now that I understand. So clearly I did something wrong because I'm watching it wobble too much. And that's just a, a, a release. Your weight is actually pretty good. So what you should do is you just change your feet a little bit. Point your feet in the direction that you want to release. Okay. So John is going to, he's going to walk down to the other end and he's going to, what we call it giving grass. It's, it, and I know, I know provincially uh, we've changed things in the last number of years. We're not talking about that. I get right? it. I get okay. it. I wasn't going there, but good, okay. Good enough. So he's actually just going to uh, stand and you're going to aim for his foot. So you I want to aim for his foot. So yep. he, he's a little bit like that golf person who puts the stick in the hole. Hope I'm not losing on the golf jargon there. No, that's okay. okay. All right. So now you have to change your bias. The line was perfect because you you would, if it was slower, it would have curved and gone in towards the jack. Okay. Okay. All right. We do get a lot of curlers who sort of in their off season, lawn bowl and a lot of a lot of bowlers in their off season if they don't go south to bowl they'll go they'll curl so the parallel is probably smoother between curling and lawn bowling than bowling and lawn bowling I'm yes guess. very much so does it ever get ugly reese where you have people here and they're going hey keep your balls oh, or yeah, bowls bowls. on my uh, oh on yes my... i've been i was shocked a couple of years ago i was at a tournament and i thought it was coming to blows no no word of a lie uh, but uh, there are at, at the official tournaments there are umpires and they're there to control the situation if if it gets out of hand. This is often where my head would start swimming about a couple minutes into instructions which is why I can't play Settlers of Catan but I, I, I do get a pretty good grasp of this it sounds like the rules are fairly basic and, and straightforward. Oh very very much so and and that uh, goes to well it's proven by the fact that you can have uh, kids as young as 12 uh, come out and learn it very quickly and you can have older folks who've never been involved with uh, organized sports come out and be successful very quickly. My thanks to Reese Warren of the Lindsay Lawn Bowling Club, great teacher and arguably a better salesperson. As Nancy Payne and I did join the club, now is it a ring or a green? Well, I'll ask Reese the next time I see him, and you can too. Consider joining. It's a nice, low-pressure atmosphere. Contact them at lindsaylawnbowls.com or just drop by the club in Lindsay. The music you're listening to in the background is not our usual closing theme. We'll, we'll explain that in a bit. But please know that Gerald Van Haltern is the man behind our regular themes and musical bridges. You can contact us via our Facebook page. Please visit and like it and subscribe to the show. And if you rate us, well, that helps other people to find our program. All episodes are free, courtesy of our official sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. For all your legal needs, they've got you covered. Find out what they can do for you at wardlegal.ca. The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, is written, produced, and hosted by me, Denny Gringell. Okay, this episode's closing music is courtesy of Clan Hannigan, which is performing Sunday, May 29, at Cambridge Street United Church. It's a Celtic celebration brought to you by the Kawartha Lakes Singers. Showtime is 2.30 p.m. You can get tickets by visiting klsingers.ca. Be smart, be nice to each other, and be sure to thank a retail worker the next time you're faced with one. Okay, Clan Hannigan, take it from here.